Hello, hello there, podcast fans. I'm here with your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. Hello there, Mom. Hello there, son. I just love this. This yeah. is so cool. I'm, uh, yeah. I'm so I'm so glad to see you back um, after you went on your journey to South by Southwest and see so many cool people. Um, that was back in March. Is that right? Yep. Yep. I'm so glad I did it. I I met so many amazing ones. It was just, and we're all still communicating. It's really fun. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the next conversationist you got to meet? Ah, I met Chin Ko. She was a, a mentor with me, and we both had our own table. And they wanted us to move our guests to another table, and we both said no. <laughs> we kept our the ones that we had and spent a whole hour with them, and it was wonderful. So we became friends after that. It was really cool. That's great. So tell us a little bit about about what we get to hear in this conversation with Chin. Oh, Chin's story is amazing. Well, she grew up in the Fadan Peninsula in China. And got as the only one that went got an education in her family, told me this whole story of her graduating from the university and then getting a scholarship and moving to Chicago. And some of the things she always wanted to do was revolved around Aikido. <laughs> <laughs> and she's she's like me, really short. And she was telling me all these stories about Aikido and also teaching, doing coaching around diversity and equity and amazing things with the Aikido group. She has this dojo. She was telling me about it. I was like, I want to join. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. I'd love to see you take down a 200-pound man. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Not my time to do that, but I've thought of it. <laughs> anyway, Chin's great. She's awesome. great. Well, here, let's stick around, everybody, and listen to a conversation with Barbara Bray and Chin Ko. Well, I'm really excited. I have someone here that I met at South by Southwest EDU, and oh my gosh, we just hit it off. Oh, I'm so glad you're here, Chinku. This is so cool. Barbara, it's so good to be on your podcast, and this is a chance encounter, and we had a great conversation, and I really can't thank you enough to be who you are and just this limited interactions that we've had. I just get to know you as somebody who's so embodying learning and growth. Ooh. All of the things you have done, coaching, and what's the thing you say, make learning personal, and all of the things you have done, it's you are an inspiration for me. So thank you for having oh. me. <laughs> oh, Chin, you know, we hit it off. We, we've talked before several times, and um, I think when you're with another coach and someone who's had a lot of experiences, it's like we found something in common. And so before I go on, I want to introduce you to my audience so they know a little bit about you. Is that yeah, okay? Yeah, definitely. Oh, all right. Don't blush. I'm going to boast. And I got to say it right. It's spelled Q-I-N, but it's Chin, sure. Chin Co. And she's a professional coach and a martial artist. Uh, we're going to talk about that, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's what only one of my favorite topics. Oh, wow. When you were telling me all about it, I was so excited that I, uh, well, anyway, I saw some pictures and oh my goodness, you're just amazing. It's, it's so much fun. So Chin is a passionate enabler with 16 years of experience unlocking personal and business potential and igniting lasting positive changes. Yes. We were coaching, we were mentoring in the same room and I was watching the people that she was working with and they had these smiles and she had these big smiles and I was like, oh my gosh. And she was looking, she said the same thing about me. I guess we just, we just hit it off right then, right? Spirits. <laughs> I know, true, true spirits. Well, and I'm going to go on. 
You provide a safe and supportive environment and to allow your clients to examine their challenges and discover unspoken assumptions. You empower, you empower your coaching clients to unravel their thinking more clearly and broadly, act more effectively, and become the leader they aspire to be. <sighs> I just love that. Oh, you're just amazing. And you really do help a lot of people. It's just, it, just a little bit, I was, you know, talking to you in the beginning, I was like, well, you weren't about the same size. <laughs> We're just dynamites. <laughs> <laughs> we we might have to talk about what that same size means, Barbara. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's of so course, funny. People, people can see in podcasts, we, right? I'm just picture someone who's 4'10". Oh, I'm 5'1". So I'm taller. <laughs> Not by much. Though. You are. <laughs> it's so funny when I've done, you know, when I've done podcasts and I, for some reason, people see me and it says, you look so much taller online. <laughs> Do they say that to you? It's your energy. It's your well, joy you, you, and curiosity and, and all of that coming through. Yeah. Well, I think for you too. <laughs> It's, it's amazing. Now, I usually ask my um, guests if they can share their why. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Barbara, thank you for that question. I think it's such a deep question too. Why are we here? The way I would answer it today is for me, myself, I want to be that Michelangelo to release the inner chin that's already complete inside of me. Honestly, a lot I have a lot of curiosity about who's this chin? Who's this complete chin? What parts of me have I not met yet? I'm so looking forward to meet those parts of me. But also outside in the world, I really think my why is to create an environment to help people to unlock their own potential. And this is why I do coaching. Part of the reason I do martial arts and a lot of the things that I have been involved in, in different communities. Oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I just, the idea of unlocking potential, but also in yourself is just wonderful. And um, when you said Michelangelo, I have a book about this, uh, it's Michael Wilk, I think. He wrote about Michelangelo's Seven Curiosities and how you can become um, that inner chin that you said. Um, it's interesting that's your name. <laughs> <laughs> I love it <laughs> because it's like, yeah, go I ahead. was going to say chin in Chinese means I grew up in China. In Chinese, chin means musical instrument. And yeah, I grew up to be a martial artist. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to touch on that. Maybe we need to talk about your background and, you know, living in China and then coming here. I mean, that's big. Yeah, yeah. I um, grew up in China and um, I mentioned that and. Uh, The context, I just want to paint a little picture. The context is that um, I grew up right after the Cultural Revolution in China. So it's a really tumultuous time in China. And my parents went through three famines when when they were growing up. So it's a very tough time. And my sister and I were born at the beginning of this one-child policy as well. So um, I grew up with nothing. And I actually had have memories of us only having meat one time a week (laughs) because we couldn't afford to buy meat. But, you know, I think really thinking back, my parents did everything they could. They taught us to be self-reliant. They taught us the values of hard work. And they also taught us really the importance of learning. So I I really own a lot of my growth mindset to my parents. Um, And at least in the first 20-something years, 
my intellect had served me really well. Um, I was the first person in my family, in my entire family, to go to college. I went to one of the top three colleges or universities in China. I then uh, moved to Chicago, of all of the places, for my PhD at uh, at the University of Chicago. It's tremendous when I when I think about that, um, and, and I think my my parents also have taught me to follow the beaten path and don't get into trouble. So there's a lot of the good values they imparted um, in me. But there are also some of the hidden assumptions you you were talking about that hidden assumptions that I didn't know that I inherited from them. So, and and actually, Barbara, Barbara, if I can, one of the things I wanted to mention to whoever is listening to this podcast is right. If you look at me, I'm a very small um, Asian woman, and Maybe this is not something that you can relate to, but what I would encourage people when they are listening to this is listen for segments or areas or situations that I have mentioned that they can relate to. So for example, yeah, maybe none of you is 410, but maybe you can relate to the experience of feeling small or the experience of feeling like an outsider when you get into a new environment. So um, that's just something, an invitation I have for the audience when you are listening to this. Oh, I like that. That I mean, because I could, I mean, I grew up in the United States, so I don't have the same things, but I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. And it happened at a very awkward time. At that time, when I moved and came to California, I felt like an outsider. It's not the same coming from outside the country, but I mean, I just wonder now with all the, um, you know, people that are immigrating and people that are um, really fleeing their countries out because of uh, terrible circumstance, circumstances, it's, um, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it must, how old were you when you came here? 22. With two suitcases and $2,000 in my pockets. (laughs) Wow. Did you come alone or did you come with your sister? No, all my family's in China. So I came here all by myself. And, and, you know, this is one thing when I reflect back, it's very interesting because sometimes people just say to me, Chin, you're so brave. How are you able to do that and go into a foreign country without knowing English that well, without knowing anybody, my answer has always been, you know, I was just more curious about what is this country like? For me, there's more excitement and curiosity. And to your point, Barbara, coming to a new environment, a new culture, it could potentially make people very anxious. I wonder, I mean, if this is a question for all of the audience, would you be able to find curiosity in that and say, oh, is this how you do things here? Oh, interesting. Uh, My husband and I love traveling internationally. And when we go to different countries, different cities, it's just fascinating to me where the Public transportation systems are different. How they do things are different. How they use language is different. You know, let's say when you are taking a bus, some of the cities you pay when you leave, some of the cities you pay when you come in. And just like, wow, there are different ways of doing things this way. Wonderful. Interesting. Well, the cultures too. I I'm not traveling as much as you. Um, I would love to. I did travel, but I I had just trouble in countries that you drive on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, there's there's always something that is like you said, curiosity. I'm very curious. Maybe that's why we connected. Um, I just wanted to know more about you. You probably wanted to know more about me, but then you were. Um, it's just some we've like when we talked before. It was like I've known you 
and known your, because of the way you open up and share about your experience, because you said something about you have a sister in the one child rule. Are you the oldest or the? I'm the older one. My sister was born right after the one child policy was implemented. How did that happen then? How did, I mean, if there's a one child policy and you have a sister that's the second? Yeah, I, I'd say it was really just miscommunication. China was so big and mm-hmm. um, I grew up in a very small town. So I don't think the information flew through correctly or efficiently. So my sister came into this world and they said, oh no. Um, so my my parents actually had to take some financial and career hits because of that. But Ooh. I'm just so grateful for that because I have my yeah. sister. She's the yeah. sweetest I know. in the world. I just can't even imagine that, you know, after the fact, what are you going to do? <laughs> you can't parents. take her back. You can't take her, back. take her back. You can't have her. <laughs> wow. So you've grown up. I mean, during that time, you were there a long time during that, yeah. you know, during those changes. So um, do you ever go back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I go back every other two or three years. And last time I went back was 2019. You know, Before this, COVID. this little thing yeah. that happened in the world. So that little thing? <laughs> that little thing. But I'm actually mm-hmm. going back next Tuesday to see my parents, my sister, my um, uh, nephew, who's nine, and my little niece, who is five months old. I'm so ah. excited. Can you tell me where in China? Yeah, it's called Fujian Province. Uh, it's southeast China, so it's really warm. Ah, so you're going during that warmth, warm time, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh well, yeah. you know what it's like. <laughs> so, so you came at 22 to the United States and moved to Chicago because you wanted to go to the University of Chicago. Is that why? Yeah. Yeah. So, how, how was that? I mean, you said you didn't speak the language. You'd speak very well now, but. <laughs> How did you do that? Go to school and as a second language learner? and Yeah, well, they taught English in China. So on paper, I knew English really well. I, okay. can, I could read really well. I could write pretty well. I think for me, it was actually going to the University of Chicago grad school was a very humbling experience for me for multiple reasons. One, I said earlier, my intellect had had served me really well. I was always one of the top three students, were top students, uh, whichever school I went to in China. And coming to the UFC, I later learned that they admitted seven out of 900 applicants from China. Oh, you were one of seven? I was one of the seven. Wow. Out of 900 applicants from China. So it was really tough competition, but that also means that I was one of the top seven, right? Yet now you are at the top of the top. So it was really humbling for me to see it's almost like a small fish coming to a big pond and, and said, <laughs> oh, wow, there's so much I don't know. So that was helpful for me because I really think it taught me um, humility. It taught me how big the world is. It taught me how much I have to learn, what I had to learn. Um, it was also a very interesting experience for me because Going back to the topic about language, um, there's a lot of things I didn't know, right? I remember this case, what the situation when the bus driver asked me cheerfully in the morning, what's up? I thought, the cloud? I don't understand <laughs> why you asked me what's up. I learned, how do you do? <laughs> it's like, I mean, it's like, um, you know, all the idioms that 
people right. say it doesn't make sense to someone right. who doesn't, you know, know that. Right. Or even things like I would go to the grocery store and I I knew what cauliflower is. I I knew the object, but I had no idea how to say it. It's not uh-huh. a vocabulary that I had, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, so there's a lot of learning, but it's also a very interesting experience. And it gave me a lot of sympathy and compassion for people who are either learning English or learning a foreign, foreign language because mm-hmm. there's so much going on in my head in the first three months. I would hear English translated into Chinese and had my response in Chinese and translated back into English. And by then, some of people have already walked away. So, and right now I'm involved in um, diversity and inclusion work um, for some of the organizations. And this is one of the experiences that really taught me Right. Some of the things we take for granted, communication, it may be a completely different experience for somebody else. So having mm-hmm. that patience, having that kind of compassion for people is so important. Well, it's what you brought up is kind of interesting about um, how you actually process information as a as someone who doesn't speak the language is probably true for many of the English language learners in, let's just say, early years when they come in and they don't speak English and then all of a sudden they're, I mean, what I'm finding is I'm looking at multilingualism or bilingualism is where you're letting the child speak and learn in their own language first. And that, because they're smart in their own language, but if I had to do that and go to China and had to be able to take a class and know the language and process it, from English to Chinese and then China. I my brain's too messed up now because when you're older, it's really hard to learn a language. It's better if you're young. I mean, I really want to know about the, we're going to talk some more about that diversity and inclusion work. I didn't even know you were doing that. That is really cool. <laughs> Unlocking potential is creating the community. And Bar- Barbara, if I can add something to that, I think another component of this is I'm getting to a stage in my life where I'm embodying or taking on these, this teacher role in, in Aikido, in some of the other communities I am in. Um, and I think that experience also taught me that if you're learning something new, there's got to be areas where there's got to be time when you're just feeling very clunky. And mm-hmm. that's completely okay. Because you commented, you know, my English is great these days, but I went through that period. So sometimes if you are going through something that feels clunky and maybe take a t- longer time frame and say this is just one period mm-hmm. of of a longer time frame and it will be it may be clunky in the clunky in the beginning but it will be better i will learn this well it's it's helping people make let them know that it's you're going to fail when you first start anything new um it is good to be curious and say i want to do it but don't give up if you fall or you know, say you're riding a bike and you fall down, get back up. It's that that idea of persistence and changing your mindset that I can't, you know, to yet. You know, all of those things with the growth mindset. It's, um, oh gosh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. I can't even believe that some of the things we're talking about, I didn't know. So this is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, so you went, yeah, you went to the University of Chicago and you went there for your undergrad. PhD. No, you went there for, P- oh, you went there for your PhD. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you finished your uh, undergrad in China and then, Correct. wow, that is cool that you were one of seven <laughs> in the PhD program there. You want to share a little bit about that? Because that is pretty amazing, Chin. I think what I want to share with that is... Um, I think a couple of things. One is, honestly, for a very long time in my life, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. 
I went to college, took a major that was assigned to me, chemistry, and coming to grad school, it's it's in a way I was in motion because I was good um, at I, I was pretty good at um, a, a, in terms of when it comes to um, academic studies. I excelled at it. So I just went along for the ride, which got me to the University of Chicago, but I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Halfway through the program, I realized I didn't want to stay in academia. That's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And I made a pivot. So I finished my program, but I decided to go into uh, corporate. So that was a big pivot for me, but it was really me trying to figure out who I want to be, what I want to do in the world. And sometimes people ask me, you spent five and, five and a half years in your PhD study, which you never used in your life. Isn't that a waste? And my answer has always been, actually, I learned a ton from that. I learned to be humble because there are a lot of very smart people out there. I learned critical thinking. I learned how to conduct independent thinking as well in my research. And I also learned the value of doing experiments. I don't mean literal sense. I meant in life, form a hypothesis and gather data points to see whether your hypothesis fits or not. And that served me so well in my Aikido study. And even today in my coaching, I sometimes tell my coaching client, if you want to change your belief, well, that's a hypothesis. What data points do you to tell you that you are not good enough as you thought you are not? Well, are there data points that actually point out you are very successful? And let's look at the information. It's all just information that we can rationally make a decision and move forward about it. That's amazing. I mean, I was talking to someone this morning about they just didn't feel good enough. They didn't feel they could do it because uh, I do coaching also, you know. And it's amazing to me how your mindset can keep you from moving forward. It's And, and it's like with this person, they want to write. So I'm helping them write. And they shared their story and what they were writing. And I'm like, oh my God, that is so fantastic. And they didn't believe it. No, no, no. I mean, no, it's, I've never heard anything that good. That is, I mean, it was so good. And it's like, too bad you have to have an outside source tell you you're good at something and you don't believe it. How can we, ch- and that's that belief system that we all have. We have to figure out how we can, it, it's almost like your why, you know, you, you were talking about the chin, understanding who you are. So you really understand you the be- most so you can become the best you know, you said like Michelangelo, but I don't know if I'll ever get there, but it's just that idea. Oh, it's, this is fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's really about going below the surface and say, and ask what is preventing me from going forward? What is that doubt or fear telling me about? And am I willing to challenge that? Am I willing to get the data points to tell me now that I'm an adult to tell me whether that's the right assumption or not? You know, I what I love is that, I mean, I've done some case studies, you know, like would show how someone moved from here to there and what are the things, but I haven't done it in that same way that you're talking with the data points. It's actually, I'm probably doing it, but I didn't recognize that I was doing it. I, I, you know, 
see, this is really good, Chen. <laughs> We're going to become better coaches just by listening to each other. I love it. Tell you a story, Barbara. Sure. sure. Um, this is a client of mine, and this person spent a very big part of their day agonizing about this instance between this person and the manager. I'm not going to get into the details. It doesn't really matter, really. But for this person, they've been thinking a lot about, oh, I'm not a good leader. So we slowed that down. We got into it. And at the end of 45 minutes, what they realized was they grew up in Europe. So their example of good leadership is Margaret Thatchett, who's very decisive. Mm-hmm. And, and the light bulb moment for my client was, oh, that was my assumption of what a good leader should be. I'm not that way. I'm thoughtful. <laughs> I think through things. And for this person, they thought they're not a good leader. Mm. But once they realized that was the underlying assumption that good leaders should be decisive, now they have the permission, now they have the freedom to be the leader that they want to be what they naturally are. Oh, that's beautiful. I can see I can see that because people do compare themselves to others. And they can't see that they they don't really look at those characteristics of that are that they have that Margaret Thatcher doesn't have <laughs> or someone else. Mm-hmm. We all are so unique that to be a leader or to be the best of whatever you're going to do, it's like identifying your strengths and looking and maybe maximizing your potential by working on maybe some of the areas that you have challenges that impact what you do. It's it's like, it's okay, we all have this. Isn't that right? Yeah. They, everyone yeah. thinks that they're the only one going through this, but all of us are going through some self-doubt or have some times in our lives where we question, are we? am I going in the right way? Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest lessons, life lessons I've had is comparison doesn't really serve me. And I am getting a lot more comfortable to be who I am, not who I think I should be. (laughs) I actually wrote about that too. (laughs) 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 I mean, my thing was don't rent someone else's story for your story. You have to know who you are and tell your own story and, you know, be okay that you're living, this is your life. No one else should live it for you and no one should tell you what to do. And I mean, you can always learn and you can get ideas and things like that. But if you know you're going in a direction and you're not, you're a little hesitant, but you really want it, you need to really own it. And that's hard for some people. Oh my gosh, we're going way off course, but I love this. <laughs> we're, we're on point because that, yeah. really that's that's what I meant by mm-hmm. releasing um, what chisel away what's outside to really get to the inner chin, inner Barbara, inner Marcus, inner Chelsea, inner whoever, yeah. whoever right? Because... And and this that sense of excitement and wonder of wow, what other layers and parts of me that I haven't got in touch with? To your point about your client, I just went through this imposter syndrome of I'm not a good writer, and, <laughs> and that's a belief I put it in myself. And now I thought, oh, maybe I can put something out in the world. That's really my own voice. And I'm okay if it's not what I thought it should be. Well, I'm glad you're going to write a story because I'm going to make sure you do. (laughs) (laughs) You write a post that goes with this. So we're going to write a little bit about you. Um, So we've got to talk about the Aikido because that's that big part of your life. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? Uh, 
Well, the longer version was that <laughs> I had this memory when I was maybe eight or seven. I had this very serious conversation with my buddy about what I wanted to do when I grow up, and I remember myself saying I wanted to be a soldier. <laughs> oh, really? At eight years old? Oh my gosh! <laughs> I know. I had no idea where that came from. So when. Mm. One of my grad school friends told me about the martial art that she was practicing. I jumped on it right away, and lo and behold, and it's probably the perfect martial art for me. It's called Aikido. Um, it loosely translated into the art of peace, and um, in a way, for me, it's not only physical exercise. For me, it's also a way of life.、Um, there's a lot of philosophies and principles of Aikido I'm taking into life, and I'm also in the process of creating workshops,、um, especially for women, to take some of these empowerment, conflict transformation skills and principles into real life. It's been really fun. Oh, I really need it. <laughs> you don't need I, it. You're a master already. <laughs> no, I mean, I, at one point I was thinking because I, you know, that sometimes you hold things in and you just need to get it out. And I was talking to some a friend of mine about boxing <laughs> and say, I just need a, I just need a bag so I could just hit it once. <laughs> But、um, Aikido is from what I've what you've told me. I mean, you've gone. You've you've been doing so much, so it, it makes so much sense to become a teacher at this point. So, are you? I mean, is this something that you're doing on a regular basis, or is it? You have these courses that are out there, or do people come to you? How do you do it? So the way we practice it is, we have a dojo, which is the place where you practice Aikido or martial art at in. Our dojo is called Chicago Aikikai. It's one of the oldest Aikikai Aikido dojos in the Midwest, and it's just this amazing, beautiful space. You go in, and pe- some sometimes people gasp when they when they see the space.、Mm. It's that beautiful and serene. So it's definitely a privilege to be able to practice Aikido there. Um, I've been practicing Aikido. I started in 2002, but I took about nine years off to do rock climbing, and Aikido kept coming up in my dreams. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I have to go back and to get my black belt. So right now, I have a. I just passed my second degree black belt test.、Um, I'm I'm one of the few instructors. In the dojo, and to me, it's just really about one、um, being a small woman practicing martial art. It definitely gave me a lot of confidence in the very beginning,、um, and then now I'm just really excited to have that to have that responsibility and、um, again honor and privilege to help other people to get to know this and and get to practice this this art. I'd love to see. Oh, I'd lo- I wish I could just be a little fly on the wall and watch you, or or get a video of it or something because it just sounds so amazing. I'll send well, you some videos. Oh, that'd be so fun! I just think it sounds wonderful. Well, you've done a lot of things.、Um, I mean, you you've had something like customer service. You were head of that, and then you worked in corporate, and you did leadership roles, and I mean, your life is so full. <laughs> How did you do all these things? I don't know, Barbara. I want to grow up to be like you, so you are my model. <laughs> I haven't done enough compared to yet you yet. <laughs> well, I'm old. You got lots of time. <laughs> you are not. You are so radiant and youthful.、Um, truly.、Um, oh, you're sweet. Well, is there? You know, did you have like? Special courses on on when you're working in the corporate world, it was different because you said you went instead of you know working with your PhD, you went into the corporate world. Did you get, need certifications or something like that? Or、mm. yeah, 
Um, not really. And, and this was one of the first pivots I've made in my life, going from a heart science PhD to the corporate world. And I started from the very beginning because I remember when I first started, I had no idea stocks and equity mean exactly mm-hmm. the same thing. That was a light bulb moment for me. Ah. <laughs> it also tells you how much I don't know about finance. So I, I went into a financial research company in Chicago and I worked through quite a few roles. Um, the company was growing tremendously. And um, my philosophy has always been to saying yes when the opportunity comes. So I started um, in data analysis. I went to client service. They had a need um, for someone to be in the sales role. Um, So when they asked me, even though I didn't, I never thought to be in sales. I said, why not? I'll give it a try. I actually learned a lot about, about sales, about interacting with clients. Then they tapped me to be in product management, um, to work with clients, to design the software. And then I went back to the client side to be working with enterprise clients. And um, then I started leading teams and all of that. But but I I think sometimes I run into people who feel bad that they don't know what they want to do at work. Yeah. And at least this is my experience. If you look at the data points with the trajectory I had, it seemed like I was all over the place. Um, because I never said in 10 years, I want to be a chief investment officer or chief financial officer. I never had that kind of clarity. But for me, it served me really well because it really, all these roles helped me to relate to different areas of business. And I have that really well-rounded perspective of people. So no, I didn't take that many certifications, but I just learned on the job. I just was like a sponge. I learned and and that was the joy as well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's where your curiosity comes in because I, you know, I'm the one that kind of taught myself a lot of things and ended up starting several businesses because I'm just that way. And um, it's amazing when you push yourself and what you can do if you're interested in it because you want to learn more, you want to learn more. It's So what got you into coaching? How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen consciously initially. Um, I got really, really burned out towards the end of my corporate career. And that was also um, 2021. So with COVID, everything was accelerated. And I was at a startup, a technology startup as the one of the four executives. And I was leading the customer success department. So I was just really burned out, really exhausted. So I walked away with nothing lined up because I just wanted to take some time for myself, for my mental health. During that time, I also was doing a lot of reflections be- Reflections because um, in client service, it it's close to what I wanted to do. Um, but deep down, I know that's not it. That's not my purpose. It's close, but not it. So I was doing a lot of thinking and coaching came up as the answer. And some of the things that we have talked about, I, I'm just curious about people. And I love 
to be able to help people. And I do believe I have a lot of perspectives. I have this very natural talent of being able to see hidden patterns and ask deep questions to allow people to think for themselves. And one thing, tangent, one tangent I wanted to add really quickly around here, Barbara, is around the same time, I was thinking a lot about, you know, what is my purpose in this world, on on this earth? And the thread I have been pulling is joy. What are the things in my life that brings me joy? Aikido was one of the first clues, right? And when I was thinking about Aikido, it brings me so much joy, but I also know through 12 years of practicing Aikido that it doesn't mean there's no challenges, frustrations, and obstacles. And coaching is the same way. Deep down, it brings me so much joy to see how people look at things in a different perspective. I have so many clients after coaching was able to say, I'm going to, I'm going back to my company to ask for the time off that I deserve. I have people going into interviews when they were hesitant about it. So there's a lot of transformation I have seen in my clients that just brings so much joy to me. But there's still obstacles and challenges and doubts and all of that. And it just, I I think that's one of the messages I wanted to leave for audience. Um, Purpose is not something far in the future, like a beacon. And once you get there, everything will be fine. It doesn't work that way. Purpose is something that brings you so much joy. You would do it no matter how many obstacles you have to go through because deep down it gives you so much fulfillment. That's your quote and I'm going to grab it. It's very similar to mine because I talk about, um, you know, this idea of the why, which is circling back to it. It's like Aikido brings you joy. You're being curious brings you joy. And what you did is you pulled all of your experiences now as a coach because you have this gift of being able to, like you said, see the hidden talents and really hear what someone is saying. I'm kind of like you, but some people say, how do you know these things? How do you hear these things? That was the one reason I started my podcast is I wanted to become a better listener so I could really hear that story. Now, I've talked to you before. This has been just wonderful. Your story is so beautiful, Jin. And um, I'm sorry that we have to end it pretty soon because, um, yeah, we could talk all day, right? So uh, is there anything you'd like to share with the audience before we leave and also how to contact you? Yeah, um, thank you, Barbara, for that. One thing I ask my coaching clients is that what is your context for life? By that, what I meant is when you go through life, when you are going through the world, how do you see yourself in the world? I think that really matters because if someone go through the world thinking everybody's out there to get me, I need to protect myself. That's a completely different approach in terms of actions and results than somebody who says, life is for me, everything's going to work out, everything will be fine in the end. So I want to leave the audience with that question. For me, life is for me, right? Anything, obstacles and all of that, it's actually something for me to learn something for me to grow after I go through that or during that that time. And I really see life as a co-creation between me and life. Maybe some people call it God. Some people call it the infinite 
the universe, the invisible force, whatever that is. And, and to me, it's fun. It's I put in my effort, but there's also things coming to me that I'm going to use or learn from. Also, Barbara, thank you for that, for that question. I'm passionate about helping people. And if any of the audience wants to talk about purpose, wants to talk through anything, they can reach me at my LinkedIn profile. And I think you are going to post some of the my contact information as well, right? But LinkedIn is a really good way. A lot of people are on there or Facebook. Um, I'm really happy to to help out. We'll put that in the po- the post. So so well, I'm going to spell your name so they can look for you. It's Q I N, and her last name is Co C O E. Right. I just want right. to make sure they can find you. And oh my gosh, Chin, I just I, I, you know we're definitely going to have to get together. And do, <laughs> just spend some time together and talk some more because this is, you came on my virtual porch. I, I said, this is going to be fun. I was just waiting for it because of the way we had talked before. And this is just beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Barbara, for opening up this space, for creating this for everybody. Thank you for what you do and who you are. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast and my conversation with Chin Ko. I met Chin at the South by Southwest EDU conference in Austin. Both of us were mentors at the same time, and I loved learning about Chin's journey to America and being an Aikido master. Make sure you check out the blog post that goes with this podcast on barbabray.net. That way you can ask us all the resources and links Chin mentioned. It would be awesome if you subscribe to my podcast. I'd be really grateful if you wrote a review. So thanks again for listening and keep sharing your story. And please stay safe and be well.